What's up, nerds? Welcome to episode 26 of the Bandwagon Band. This is the show where we talk about all things pop culture. I'm Josh. I'm AJ. I'm Alex. This week, we're going to go over the latest and current events, and we're going to talk about some of the things that we're into as well. Starting things off with The Witcher 3. Hey. I didn't ask how you guys were. It's not that I don't care. I just didn't think about it. About Um, The Witcher? Wait, The Witcher or about how I care? How about you guys? Usually I see how you see, like, you know, how's everyone doing? No, you just want to ask how The Witcher is doing. And I was like, I was waiting for a response. I was like, is he here? Like, is he on our podcast right now? I was like, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Is this a celebrity invite right now? He took a break from painting his Warhammer figures to join us because he's a nerd. Yeah, he's a big nerd. Um, Alex, yeah, how have you been, Alex? I've been, I've been good. I, uh, I skateboarded by the beach today for like, uh, way longer than I thought. I just like, it was one of those things like, uh, sometimes when you skate, you just kind of zone out and you don't realize how far you went until I like turned around when I was already tired. I was like, I've, I've went about five miles, one direction. And I, uh, I was skating through Venice, California, not Venice, Italy. And it was very sandy and very windy, but it's like perfect skate weather outside of that. Can't complain. Oh, you poor child living in California where the I know. It was cold. Up. It was cold for LA today. It was like 70. People what? are like, this is gross. That's horrendous. I know. What is it in Chicago right now? Like three degrees? It's, no, it's like 60. I went to the Cubs game yesterday and I was I was like, oh, it's going to be kind of hot. I was kind of afraid. I just wore like my t-shirt um, and um, my fit for a King Wing Breaker. I was like, I should be okay. It nice. was kind of cold, man. It was maybe, maybe 60 tops. It was, I think it was in the 50s. But uh, happy birthday to Shay. You probably don't listen to the show. Um, but that's why I was at the Cubs game. Happy Sweet. birthday, Shay. Anyone else have any good weather uh, weather reports yeah, this how, weekend? How's the weather over yonder in the uh, east? How about some bad weather reports? It Ooh. was 92 degrees today and yesterday. That's Saturday and Sunday. It has been balls dripping hot here in New York and disgusting. You don't know balls dripping hot until you sit in the sun. Um, Oh, that, that's oh, our day is getting canceled. That's that, I, that's that's canceled. the temperature. That's the temperature here on the reg. Okay, that is just Texas. That's just Texas. <laughs> oh, this is regular. My default. brain totally had a fuzz moment and was like, "You live in Chicago? What are you talking about?" Yeah, Chicago. I left, I left. I left that life behind me. Um, and now you're a proud Texan and you take pride in your awful. Yeah, awful I got my, weather. I got my cowboy. Hat. I got my cowboy. I got my cowboy hat here somewhere. Uh, true story, uh, Josh. You, the person, you, you went to the Cubs game yesterday. Yeah. Uh, there was a young lady who sang the national anthem. Correct. Yeah. I don't that, have no Ty- idea actually. That was, that's Tyler's friend. Tyler was at the Cubs game as well. Oh, brother, what? my younger brother. Yeah, his friend. What, he was there Tyler? with his friend. Um, you know, she was she sang the national anthem. She did a good job. So cheers uh, to Tyler. Uh, and also, and, you, and his friend. Yeah. And also, shout out to my brother. He's taking the uh, the MCAT this week. So uh, good luck, bro. And if you fail, don't show up to family events. Like, don't don't make an appearance. Like you're you're gonna get disowned. So a lot's riding on this. Man. Well, you know what? If he oh, fails, up, yeah. he's going to just be able to play Witcher Three Complete Edition, which is coming to. He have a lot of time. Yeah, right. I had to try to segue that. I thought it was so, so, it was smooth. so smooth. We almost didn't notice. Uh, have you guys all played The Witcher? By the way. Uh, I I played The Witcher 1 and 2 for about, uh, okay, I played The Witcher 1 for like 10 minutes. I was like, these graphics are horrible, and I stopped. And then I played The Witcher 2, did the first boss fight. Um, This is like five, I don't know, this is probably like eight years ago. 
I didn't do like it asked me if I wanted to prep for the fight and I was like, no, I'm good. I got hit one time by this like monster squid thing and it killed me instantly and I just uninstalled the game and never touched it again. That, that's, like, uh, that's how that goes, man. Yeah. When did The Witcher 3 first come out? It 2015, I think. It's been a minute. Um, I think it's 2015. I, what 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 count what council? Do you remember? I'm not sure. Oh, well, I know. I, I haven't. I haven't been in it. 360. Okay, so so I've had it. I've had it since the 360 days, and I only beat it when the first season of The Witcher came out. So nice. I, essentially, what happened is that every time I had the energy to play it, I would get to like the very first boss, similar to Alex. It's a giant bird. And he does some major damage and I would get really mad and I would just be like, this game sucks. And then I, I didn't play it. And um, once I finally sat down and played through it, it was amazing. But it does require like a lot of like, what is like learning like the world of Witcher and the game doesn't do a good job of explaining what happened in other games. So yeah. I'm just like, who's this guy? They seem pretty important. Yeah. This person also papers. seems pretty important. Yeah, yeah, neither did I, but I'm glad I did. The story's really good, and I'm glad I was able to finally, like, hunker down and make it through that first, like, two-hour block of just learning a new game, because that's, that's really... Yeah, struggling to survive. For, uh, for people out there that have never heard of The Witcher, um, to my knowledge, it's it, it, it was, like, the big rival to Skyrim when this game came out, like... This was like the next huge like RPG game that um, I just remember like I was in college when it dropped and, and they, everyone wouldn't shut up about this game. And I think this shows how successful The Witcher has became since they're already like, you know, like relaunching further editions years down the road. Never played The Witcher 3, but just wanted to give a little context. You know, it's like what you've got the Netflix show, you've got complete edition. Like what's what's the next on The Witcher list? Are they still making books? It started as a book series, didn't it? Yeah, back in I like think. the eighties or nineties, I so, think. So, so yeah, start it started off as a book series. The, um, the then founders of CD Projekt Red went to the writer and they said, "Hey, we would love to make your books a video game. Can we have the rights?" And instead of doing what any sane person would do and demand um, uh, a piece of uh, royalties, he said he just sold it for fifty thousand dollars because, and his own quote, "Video games are stupid." Fast forward many years later, and he tried to, yes, sue CD Projekt Red because he claimed that they took advantage of him, which they then said, we have this documentation of you saying, not only did you sell us the rights for $50,000, but you didn't care. You're only mad because the game is like almost a billion dollar franchise now. Um, So lesson in that, ladies and gentlemen, if you make something, make sure you get a piece of ownership. Yeah. And also you sell it to road. a video game company as soon as possible. Yes, as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. And whatever you, uh, you think is stupid is probably going to be successful. It's, yeah, it's yeah, probably exactly. going to be really successful. Um, I, Josh, you said this is coming to the next gen, right? Yeah, which year? and I know you play PC, so does this is this going to affect you at all? Hey, I have an Xbox, bro. Okay. okay? It, it it collects a lot of dust, yeah. but I still have my Xbox. You mean your fridge? Um, yeah, my fr- my little my mini fridge. Uh, I, I think Alex said something earlier. I thought it was funny. He said that uh, you know this kind of shows how prolific the game is. Mm-hmm. I look at it in a different way. I just think it's really lazy. I think, I think we've come to this point in video games where uh, 
I mean, The Witcher 3 came out on the Xbox 360. Uh, I did check Xbox One or whatever the Xbox the, One, okay, whatever okay, the so one was before. I'm I don't I don't play Xbox it's anymore. It's still been a while, and it's and, still and, been a 20, minute. 2013, a, whatever that thing came this out. This is the trend we're seeing. This is the trend yeah. where instead of making a new game, they're like, guys, do you want to see this game in 60 frames per second? Even though you could already do that before, but now we're advertising it. It's the same thing that uh, Rockstar is doing with Grand Theft Auto. I think uh, I just think it's yeah. lazy. Yeah. I just think I would rather you just port it and call it a day than try to rebrand it for what I'm going to assume is anywhere between forty and sixty dollars. Um, right. I just hate that. It's just laziness. It's literal, literal well, stop, laziness. Stop spending your money, people, and they'll stop please. doing this. Please, that's please. that's that's showbiz for you, man. I guess that's the moral of the story. Speaking of show business, um, anyone here watch Saturday Night Live? Like current Saturday Night Live. Not really. No, I'm, I'm I watch under the sometime. age of thirty, so no. That so is a huge. Wait, thing. you're under. You're not thirty. Excuse me. No, I'm not thirty. Guys. Okay. <laughs> How old are you? I'm a kid at heart, baby. Toys R Us. I'm a Toys R Us. Uh, kid. AJ's twenty three <laughs> and a half. Twenty nine. Um, yeah. Either way, like SNL has been. I feel like you know it's like SNL was huge for like for decades and decades, and it. It isn't. It isn't really like anything new that less people have been watching this over the years, and it's kind of like fallen apart because I think they have tried to just cater to too many audiences. Where I feel like I just feel like SNL just it just doesn't really like stick anymore. There's like sometimes funny skits, but it, it's rare that like the entire show is hilarious. And yeah. we just announced that a few. Uh, a few cast members are leaving and I don't know. I'm like, I'm just like, is this done? Like we've got Kate McKinnon, Pete Davidson, Kyle Mooney and, um, AD Bryant. Like all of them are leaving. Is that, isn't that SNL right there? Like, I think that's the whole cast. <laughs> like instead of like they've, a couple they've members. Done this before though. Yeah. They've gone I, through I've, this before. There's a, a niche of YouTube, like a history of videos that I watch a lot of. And they covered how it was like back in the eighties or nineties. It was like the best, it's already like one of the best seasons of seasons of SNL. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up like firing everybody on the cast. And it's like big people like Adam Sandler was on there and a bunch of other but these people didn't get fired. They left and like eighties and nineties right, right. was like during its prime. I think the difference yeah. now is like nobody's watching it. Like, I yeah. think also all those people you just named Alex are like the only people who are kind of nameable, whose name is maybe a household name or at least recognizable Mm-hmm. Everybody else who's left on the show who is not in that list you just read, I don't even know their name. So right. that's saying something. I wonder oh. like if they'll pivot to like get quote unquote influencers on to SNL. Like if, if they're gonna start can, moving towards that direction. Not. Well, I, I think I personally always enjoyed Matt TV more than I ever enjoyed SNL. I just don't think SNL is very engaging. I just feel like the the format of improv sitting like it's more fun for the people doing the improv than it is for the audience. And I feel like it's, it's like, they're all telling each other an inside joke that we aren't privy to. And I, that's kind of just what I always feel. I've always said like the funniest skits that come out of SNL are their pre-recorded skits because someone actually can sit down and write the skit up. You know what I mean? Huh? Yeah. I, I like, I don't really watch it live, but I do sometimes watch clips of it. And, you know, like, and I think that's just the way technology is, how it impacts our media, where, yeah, the, the format just doesn't seem to work as well as it 
used to. Well, I think the writing is quality fine. is Things just need to change. the writing quality is just lower as well, and it's just like yeah, I feel like we're past a time of like getting all these all star members. Like I feel like this might be the last era of like finding you know like the next Pete Davidson because I just I don't I mean I could be wrong, but I just I feel like a lot of comedians don't view like SNL as like the staple to like make it into comedy anymore. And I think that's another reason why a lot of, a lot of it's lacking is like, you don't need SNL to be like, to survive. You, yeah. You used to, to. to survive. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't even think Pete Davidson is a great actor or comedian. You know, I think he's probably better than I think what's most, what's there on the cast, but I don't really think like if you compare Pete Davidson to other all-stars from the, SNL era, I mean, you know, it, it kind of lacks in comparison. That, that, that's but he's probably the most recent, I mean, the most popular one recently. And like, it might even not even, he, I don't think he's as popular for his sketches. He's just popular for being Pete Davidson, which is. I think he's also popular so, for yeah. dating Kim Kardashian. So. Yeah, that too. And then the joke of like, how does this guy who is maybe not hot literally has dated actually a lot of other famous beautiful women too yeah yeah it wasn't wasn't thank you next written about him or like some of that mm, him and mac miller i think mm -hmm. i don't think she Maybe? disses mac miller because he died and i don't think no he, i don't think i don't think it was meant as a diss either though i think she just said she learned something from she learned something from each relationship from, from each relationship that she's mm -hmm. been in i never looked at it as like a diss either i just think that it was like it was her saying that like we both had like each person she's referencing it's like we both had problems and you know now we're moving on that kind of thing. Uh, yeah so yeah I, I think it's just like a change and like the world's changing like the the way people consume their media changes what they're interested in changes there's always like the nostalgia factor though i i, I would venture a guess that like i don't know 20 years from now the snl format will be like cool again but i don't know we'll see we'll see 20 I was going to say, not going to be around in 20 years. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, man. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it would be something new. There's always, like, there's the nostalgia, like, of stuff coming back. Like, for instance, Stranger Things. Hey. There's a lot of people who have that nostalgia uh, factor that draws them to it. They're like, oh, the 80s, it's so cool, blah, blah, blah. And it's a good show. That's the other thing. I like it, but I can't, believe we're on, I can't believe we're on season four already. This is the, I mean, this is the last season. That yeah, would yeah, that would explain season. their weird format. Yeah. So like, yes. I, I don't yeah. think everyone knows, but like, so I didn't realize season four of Stranger Things was the last season. But there's seven episodes of part one of season four, and then they're having two additional episodes released at a later time. But the the next two episodes are like Why? hours and hours long. It said one of the episodes is two and a half hours long, so it's basically like a mini TV show tied in with two movies um, with the, some movies i'm just like you guys better write an amazing show amazing season because that that is I a lot will, of attention to demand i will say that whether this is their last season or they do it does get picked up for another season that like i will say that i think this is where netflix's strength is that they can do that that they're not tied to this like bottled formula of like we have to do this 45 minute show or this hour show for each episode. I, I think that's nice. I, I think that, mm. you know, if, if the show is, is so prolific that, you know, this is, this is where they're, they're trying to lead the show to something new or whatever. And if the last two episodes are four hours, I think everybody will be 
and and why not? Like I'm I'm kind of on board with that. Like uh if the writing quality is good and they feel confident that they can like release long episodes then I'm okay with it. I thought season 2 was really really poorly written and then I thought season 3 Me too. kind of saved itself. So yeah, I'm like season yeah. 2 I'm was so boring for me. I, was I like, think they just oh, got rushed. I feel like they got well, like I feel like Netflix just made them like write season two quicker than they wanted, and then they got like a little because there was a delay with season three coming out. I feel like they took their time. Well, for for our listeners, I've been watching a lot of movies again lately. It's something that I think I maybe mentioned before, but I just went through this like long period where I just didn't want really want to watch any movies, and now I'm just finding fun and watching movies again. And I watched two movies: Firestarter, which is a remake of an '80s movie. And I also watched Akira for the first time. And I'm like, it's really strange how much these movies lean on a lot of things from Stranger Things. I never really, I never really like, I, I'm wondering like, is, are these things, is that where they kind of pulled a lot of concepts from Stranger Things from? And then they kind of just threw in that 80s veneer to it because there's a lot of very similar themes between both of those movies that I thought was kind of cool. Um, of course, Stranger Things does its own thing with like, you know the upside down stuff but at its core this idea of like facility with children with telekinetic powers and stuff like that it it, it was cool i was like i'm wondering if they if they borrowed from that because i wouldn't be surprised yeah i mean yeah it's always interesting to see like what what ideas come from where yeah be it stranger mm-hmm. things or obviously like with with something like like disney they have all these ips they've acquired like from yeah. marvel to be yeah. cranking out these shows um she-Hulk trailer is out. It's bad, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I already knew going in that this was going to be bad, um, but I watched it. I, I actually couldn't finish. I couldn't finish the two-minute trailer. I got like a minute in. I was like, it's the worst CGI I've ever seen. There's this just doesn't. You know, I've never read. I've never read She-Hulk comics. Maybe the '80s and '90s comics were fun. So like, I'm not even going to talk about that because I have no no experience with it. But this trailer specifically just looked terrible. Um, I don't know why this show is a thing. Well, I mean, I know why it I is mean, because they want us to watch yeah. things. But right oh, here we are talking I mean, about I it. Yeah, I, I don't know like what the influences are going to be on this. So that'll be interesting to see. And yeah, with the CGI, granted, like we have a lot of time between now and the actual show releasing. But then I saw this thing. I don't know if it's true or not, but it would not surprise me that allegedly they had She-Hulk like a lot bigger and like muscular looking. And then the like, executives were like, no. I heard this too. They, they wanted her, her, they wanted her to look more feminine. If that makes and sense. I say, boo, give us muscle women. Well, that's what, I, the, that's Hulk, what the public wants. You, you guys hear yeah. me say this all the time. You know, when, when we're watching a movie or reading a book or whatever, like, I just want to know who is this made for? Because I right, feel right. like if the director or the writers, if they have that answer, then the show can reflect that, that it, it could, ref- if they have that question answered, then the show can reflect that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we want our women big. We want, we want death by snoo snoo. That's a deep cut. If anyone yep, ever watched yep. Futurama, we want death by snoo snoo. Yeah. So that, that are you giving, Twitter. yeah. So <laughs> is, is, are we getting death by snoo snoo? Are we just getting some, very uncanny valley style um what's what's the green giant on the bag of peas like jolly, uh, green jolly, jolly green. Green. yeah it looks you know like what? the jolly green giant's like wife it's very weird uh, this yeah. is uh in the name of what sir mix a lot you, you want him uh 
you want them thick and juicy, so make that juicy double. <laughs> Just try to remember the line. And and Disney said no, no, no. Disney, I also, I'm again, I've never read She-Hulk, but I thought She-Hulk was an adult comic book. And then seeing this is like this weird, like I, I don't even say it's a kids trailer. It's like it's that in between. We talked about this. Yeah, they, they don't have a clear identity. They, they won't wanna, commit. They won't yeah. commit to a theme. It's my same Which, concern with Daredevil yeah. because it's like that's what you yeah. know. They they announced Daredevil, but I'm like, you have to commit because Marvel's Daredevil. We could talk a lot of crap about Marvel, but they did the Marvel universe justice with their well, with their TV shows. And uh, with Moon Knight, Kevin Feige was like, "Oh, it's gonna be so dark and gritty. We're not holding back." Yeah, right. Like, like, dude. Dark and, and gritty, like the, the way it was filmed. That's that's what they meant that's by that. The approach that um, they go with this Daredevil show. Yeah, it's people will riot. Like, yeah, do not. Disney has it, to commit. They have to commit yeah. and say like, "This is for kids. This is not for kids." And they have to be like okay with it. You bought yeah. properties that transcend a lot of ages. You you cannot expect to be Switzerland for the rest of your life and then expect everybody to be happy like that you know you got to pick a side you know i got an idea how about we take she hulk um we bring her on snl now that a bunch of cast members have left and we just we just roll with it let's just let's just see what happens i think i would be okay just seeing cgi she hulk just on snl just i i I know i mean why not even even then i I mean you guys brought the the cgi i i think it's just it's one of those things where if the CGI was going to be this bad and be yet such a pivotal point of the of the series, like like who are you making this for then? Like who are like just get a big female actress who's there are I mean, go to a strong woman competition, pick any of those women and put green on them. That would look more realistic and it, it would make more sense. Like this whole yeah. like, I don't know, this I don't know. It's just weird. It's just the weird. casting is interesting, especially since uh, apparently the um, the main actress of She-Hulk, she's from mm-hmm. the show Orphan Black. Okay, and then the last thing I have to say is I need to put TikTok a little bit on blast. Our social media coordinator Natalia made a thirst trap video about Nightwing because he's a thirst trap, and they flagged it for like adult content, and it's really it wasn't that bad. So. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Right out there. I don't really get it. TikTok is really finicky about what they. Wasn't it say just like pictures a of a shirtless guy? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. How is that it's, adult it's content? Like, c- commit to something, and then like if you, there's some pretty crazy stuff on TikTok too. Like I, I don't use the app too much, but just scrolling through it a couple times, I was like, so this is on here. They, our stuff can't be. They had this whole issue where they were having people, um, I'm not going to get too graphic about this, but they were having yeah. people on lives um, basically uh, doing the deed while oh reading a book. Um, but you couldn't see, you could just them reading a book. It's pretty crazy. So just, just to say that th- that was permitted for months, yeah. but a, pic- a comic image of somebody, you know, that, that's just... Well, so I've reported, like, bullying and, like, racial slurs before, and TikTok has messaged my account back saying that we didn't see anything wrong with this and then kept the, account, <laughs> kept the comments up. So, uh, yeah. That's TikTok, the world we live in, man. You know what, TikTok? I, I don't care if this makes this uh, episode explicit. Figure your shit out. Dang, dude. It, it Come does. on, Hold out. You just Come made on, Alex bless. say a, a, a naughty word. I said a naughty word, TikTok. Oh, no. 
Come on, Blast. All right, move, moving on though. I'm gonna I'm doing a first for myself on the show. Uh, I'm gonna be talking about a novel today. Is this your first book you've ever you've ever read? In my whole life. Wow! Let's all give Josh a round of applause. I definitely don't have a couple hundred books in a storage unit right now. Well, yeah, they're <laughs> they're in storage, so you never read them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to be talking about I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter by Erica L. Sanchez. And fun tidbit, I got to meet her at this event uh, from the Ragdale Foundation, which the only reason I got to go was because of work. Hmm. Um, and by, I, when I say I met her, I mean I briefly spoke to her very awkwardly and then had her sign my book. Hey, it hmm. counts. It counts. But And she's also from Chicago, so that was cool. It was a Chicago Writers event. So shout out to the Ragdale Foundation for allowing people from my school to go for free because I think the tickets were like $150. Dang. So pretty, pretty, pretty cool on their part. Um, just a little background on the author. She's an American poet and writer. Her parents are Mexican immigrants. She's from Cicero uh, and she graduated magna cum laude from UIC. Hmm. So very much a Chicago girl, a very smart Chicago girl. She also has her master's in poetry from the University of New Mexico. And I don't know if it's current, but at some point or another, she was a professor at DePaul. Oh. For, the, so. for those who don't know, DePaul is another big uh, big college downtown Chicago. So. Yeah. So very, uh, very uh, proud Chicagoan here. Uh, and yeah, her book, her book was great. I'm going to start out by saying that I think this is a book that everybody should read. There's something to get out of it. And I'm just going to go over some of the plot points. I'm not going to give you the whole book because I want people to check this out. That's how much I enjoyed this. Wow. And the the, the premise is it's about this girl named Julia who it starts off. She's at her sister's funeral staring at her dead sister in the casket. So that that's wow. how it starts. And it gets worse. Her sister, older sister, Olga, was hit by a bus while crossing the street because she was looking at her phone. Wow. Which this sounds that's, know, but that's very tense. sad, dude. That's, a, that's yeah. the opening? That, that's the opening. <laughs> she, he's at her sister's funeral. Does it, does it, looking down at her sister. Real is this quick like question. the... Oh, I was going to ask Josh, is this a graphic novel or is this a like, um, like print? Like, words uh like pr prose is that the word i should pros? know this but i don't it, okay. it's it's a novel like written there yeah there's no oh no retro okay yeah oh gee um but yeah so how relatable she got hit by a car because she was looking at her phone while crossing the street yeah it's crazy um and olga her older sister was like the quote-unquote perfect mexican daughter she was you know like obedient always spent time with her family like didn't challenge authority. Uh, there's, there's like a lot of cultural things behind this. Whereas Julia is independent. She's spirited. She's very tenacious. Uh, she, she's a 15 year old, you know, uh, she's a Latina and, but she's like from, she was born in the U S so she's very American. Uh, and she's not the quote unquote perfect Mexican daughter. And after Olga's death, her mom, she calls her ama wants to have a quinceanera for, Julia, the main character, even though she already turned 15. Mm. Have you guys ever been to a quinceanera before? No, I haven't. Daniela didn't Re have AJ, you haven't? Daniela didn't have one, so I never got oh, to go. To they happen at 15? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Never. when a, a girl turns 15. So when, when my daughter is going to have the the most wild quinceanera ever, dude. It's going to be wild. That's all I got to say. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, my sister, I think in a year or two, she's 14, 13. But yeah, so like it, if you guys haven't been to one, it is, it's, it's legit. It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. Um, but Julia is not about that life. She's like, this is dumb. It's a waste of money. I don't want to wear a frilly dress and do all this weird dancing. And the other thing is she feels like her mom's doing this because she feels guilty that Olga never had a quinceanera. Their family's really poor. And so they couldn't really afford to have one. And so Julia's like, you're only doing this because you feel bad that my sister didn't get one. Which, again, like, imagine, like, having something, giving, your parents gave you something because, like, your sibling, older sibling, didn't get it. And now they're dead. Yeah. It's just like, this is. That's a lot of weight. It's it's intense, man. That's heavy. And, yeah, they're, they're a poor family living in Chicago, which, for me, like. I'm not a poor person living in Chicago, but I, I know what that looks like. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen that. Like I've been like in those neighborhoods before. So, like having the set in Chicago and me living in the Chicago area, like it, it hits home in a different way. It, it was it was really cool. And the family they all cope with the death in a different way. Her parents become even more distant, and her father has always kind of been a shadow of a person, which. Not like it's not meant to be stereotypical, I don't think, but is very typical, not just of like immigrant families, but also like Mexican fathers. Like they're they're kind of like the the silent. I work hard, I provide, but like I'm not here for your personal problems. Yeah. Which, I mean, like I, I get that. Like I've seen that from like my dad's side of the family. Like people have to work really hard. Daniela, oh, AJ, like Daniela if you tells me. That. Yeah, Daniela tells me that same exact thing that her her father. I mean, hell, her father came here by himself right before um you know came here by himself to 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 essentially bring daniela and and her mother and their siblings over here so that's definitely on par for what it's like to be in a mexican family you know yeah and like not just that but like the immigration experience they're undocumented so like that's a whole other level to it where not only are they going to a new place it's scary they're trying to survive but then like they're not there legally like they don't have their papers and that's just like a whole another level of of tension and so what julia does is her parents are very withdrawn and she decides like she didn't really know her sister that well either she really loved her sister but she felt like there was always just something very uh like she didn't know her the way she wanted to so she goes into her room and starts uh exploring a little bit um uh, who, are you guys like what order are you guys in your family? I think AJ, you're AJ, you're the oldest. Yeah, I'm the oldest. Um, you know, I'm the favorite. <laughs> I'm the yeah. second oldest. But, okay. But, yeah. Are you the favorite? Did... Me? Yeah. No, I don't know. No. I, well, <laughs> I guess. My mom, yeah. Dad, yeah. my mom and dad. My mom and dad get very mad when I when I say that. They're like, "We don't have favorites." I'm like, "No." You got to say that to appease everybody else. I'm the non sassy yeah. one if that counts. So, uh, I get AJ. Like, did Tyler ever go into your room when he wasn't supposed to? Or Alex, did you ever go into someone's room when you weren't supposed to? Uh, Tyler, my brother did all the time. I mean, okay, heck, just, my, yeah. I grew up like a half, like half my life. I just shared a room, so it's like a, it was already you had my no room. choice. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
because uh, yeah so she goes into her sister's room and i feel like that's something like people can probably relate to that to some extent or another like yeah i used to do that or yeah my sibling used to do that especially when you get older and you you want that to be your space and yeah and like my i don't know about you guys but the age difference between my brother and myself is it's six years so yeah. growing up i'm like you know i don't want my little brother in my room you know and <laughs> it's like get out dude you know so Hey, I don't even want him in my house, and we're older now. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Tyler. <laughs> so she goes into her sister's room, and she's kind of rummaging around, and she ends up finding lingerie and a hotel key. Oh, which is a stark contrast to what she expects to find, because her sister is like the golden child, like didn't do anything wrong, followed the rules, and so she finds this stuff, and it sets Julia on this quest to essentially like find out who her sister really was. Mm. And so she keeps trying to, to go through her life. She, you know, she's 15. She's in high school trying to make it through. Um, and you can tell, like, there's definitely deep depression and anxiety there. And, like, there, there's hints that, like, she's doing worse than even she realizes. Hmm. And, like, I don't know, like, if you guys have ever experienced that or seen someone who's going through that, sometimes it just sneaks up on you and you don't realize it. That and is, it's made worse yeah. because her family is so poor. Yeah. Like economic hardships add a whole new stressor to people, especially being a teenager is hard. Yeah. And adding the fact that her sister just died and her family's poor, like she's just going through a lot of stuff. And another thing that I think is very relatable, um, especially like for this immigrant experience, she blames her parents. She's like, we're poor and that's your guys' fault. Without fully realizing like how hard it's actually been for her parents to have come to the U.S., to be undocumented and to try to create a life. And so at home, there's a lot of tension at school. She's very outspoken, but she's intelligent. Like she's not yeah. just there trying to cause problems. She excels at English. She wants to become a writer and her best friend, Lorena is also very intelligent, but, and also poor. And she kind of copes with it by using her sexuality. So like where Julia is like very studious, likes to read, her friend Lorena likes to go to party, likes to like sleep around a lot. And so you get to see like how how poverty is coped with in, in, in different ways for people. But eventually Julia still has a lot of trouble coping. She skips school. She ends up going to a bookstore and meets this boy named Connor, who, this might mean something to AJ, is from Evanston. Hey. So I mean, he, my, he's not my, a city boy. I got, a lot, I got a lot of, yeah. Evanston, like for those who don't know, it's a, it's a north suburb of Chicago, mm -hmm. and it's uh, very affluent. Uh, a lot of the politicians who, a lot of politicians live in Evanston, so it's so it's the, ri it's the rich, it's the rich white people. Uh, no, actually, surprisingly, Evanston has a very mm -hmm. balanced um, um, uh, people group, but it's like. When, when I tell you these homes are like old money, like it's old money homes. Like it's, it's crazy over there. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's money. So Connor does happen to be white. So she meets a rich white boy and I keep picture, picturing him as, as Dean from Gilmore girls because <laughs> we watched that recently. Yeah. And so that's like my point of reference right now. And so when I'm, when I was reading the book, that's what I imagined him to be. I'd be curious to find out what, what uh, Erica Sanchez actually meant for Connor to look like. Well, that's what that's what was in my head. Maybe that's what she had in mind. <laughs> maybe too. That, yeah, maybe maybe you're maybe. right. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, because she's she's around like age like age a year in my age. Like, yeah, I think she's in her thirties. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and they click right away. Uh, she's really awkward about it, really quirky, says weird stuff, but he's he's all for it. They click, and yeah, th- th- that that's where I'm gonna leave you guys as far as the plot. Uh, the the themes in this, like there's there's a, a study guide at the end of this book. That's oh. how well written it is, and how how deep it goes into things. Dang, I got homework Obviously, afterwards. Like, yeah, man. I don't like reading a They're... book and getting homework. I got to get a homework. Who's grading this? What's the rubric? Uh, okay. The author <laughs> is yourself. <laughs> yourself. You, like and, and your your grade, like what you get out of this, is pride. <laughs> no, no. But there's a lot of really deep themes, family secrets. Like I, I'm like as you grow up, you realize like there's stuff about your family for for good or bad, like that you just didn't know and i i'm very excited to read that i bought two copies for me and daniela uh because i know daniela has been looking for a book to read and so i had when i saw this i looked it up but i'm like this actually seems really so i bought two copies so we can read because uh we we try to do like like mini book club i know we're dorks whatever but we try to do mini book club so yeah yeah so i'm excited couple goals yeah real excited let me know what you guys think yeah. Especially Daniela, like like being Mexican American, like I'm very curious to see like what she gets what out she of thinks, this. Yeah, yeah. And like for me, like I'm Gu- Guatemala, my dad's from Guatemala, but like it's like there's a lot of similarities, and like a lot of like cousins are from Mexico. So I could still like when I was reading this, I was like, yeah, I've experienced this. Yeah. Another thing is obviously uh, coming of age. Being a teenager sucks. It's hard. There's a lot of stuff going on. Definitely sucks. But then there's like the extra layers of of like her being Mexican American, like the expectations for her are different than if, you know, she was like fifth generation Irish. Yeah. And again, that's something that some people reading this will connect with and some people might not, but it's Mm -hmm. still cool to to see that. Um, And like the way like that generational trauma is dealt with culturally as well, as well as like the poverty factor, like how it affects mental health um, and how it affects the way these kids are growing up uh, in these Chicago neighborhoods. And then obviously there's like the immigrant experience. Um, her parents have really struggled a lot. Um, and then like there, there's a, well, for a lot of immigrant parents, like there's this idea of like America ruined my kids. Like there's a loss of tradition and values. Whereas it's like, no, like they're just, it's a different culture. Yeah. Um, and like I was reading that third culture or the yeah third culture kids book and it talked about this. So kind of a, a cool nerd uh, sociological aspect of it too. Yeah. My final thoughts. It's a very nuanced book. A lot of uh, of great themes from different angles. Super relatable, both if you're a teenager or if you have been a teenager, which is all of us at some point. Not me. Um, but there's also some heavy topics. Like, definitely want to give a trigger warning. Uh, it talks about things like sexual abuse, sexual assault, domestic violence, suicide, but in a very real, relatable way. No, uh, and also there's a, a film adaptation coming in the works. Uh, for really, Netflix, and the America Ferrera oh. is going to direct it. I was all so. for it until you said Netflix. Netflix, I know, yeah. I, I, I'm still hoping, man. I'm Apple, still hoping it's for the yeah, culture. I was hoping. I was hoping Apple. Sense. If Apple, if Apple headed that project, I'd be more excited about it. Netflix, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm. I'm totally, dude. I am hardcore on the bandwagon of this one. Uh, I would definitely want to check out more of uh, Erica Sanchez's books. I'm glad, AJ, you're going to read it with, and Daniela. Yeah. Let me know what you guys think. I'll let you know. Um, Kate, Alex, Natty, if you uh, if you end up checking it out too, let me know. Let's do it. Let's all check it out. Speaking of other things to check out, I uh, 
covered uh, covered some music this week. What'd you listen uh, to? Some good stuff. I got I got a lot of a lot of good things. I'm just gonna jump straight in. I got a lot of good things to say about this album. This is a band called Fontaines DC. They are from okay. Ireland, specifically from Dublin. Um, I've been listening to them since. Gosh, honestly, I think it was like beginning of 2020. I was just like looking for some fresh tunes and I don't even remember how I found this band. Um, but I heard, I heard their song. Um, I don't belong in hero's death. And it just like blew me away. I was just like, Oh my God, I just, I'm, I just found the next band that I'm going to be like grossly obsessed with for the next like 10 to, you know, 50 plus years of my life. Like I just knew that I was like set with this band and this is their third record. And it's pretty cool. Cause like, a lot of bands coming out of Ireland don't really blow up overseas, you know, like, yeah. I mean, we have like Damien Rice and like there are Irish bands that have became popular, but it just hasn't, there hasn't been a lot lately. In and like, a minute, yeah. Yeah. So, you too. Yeah. You too, which is what, like the eighties, you know? So it's like, yeah. that's been a hot minute. Fontaine's DC just dropped their record called Skinty Thea, which translates in Gaelic to the damnation of the deer. Which I think is like I was gonna say, I was like, that the, sounds gay. Like. That's a that's a that's a cool that's a cool title then. Yeah, it's just it's a cool title. <laughs> that could um, be a band name, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, like if uh, if they ever decide they don't want Fontaine's DC, then maybe they can uh, they can just switch to Skinty Fia. Actually, just the damn sorry, just the damnation <laughs> of the deer alone sounds great. Yeah, what what sounds does awesome. their name mean? Because when you said Fontaine's Fontaine's DC, I was like, oh, they're from America, right? No, so being, being all ignorant, yeah. They were initially called the Fontaines, which I know is a reference to uh, the Godfather. I think I believe it's like a, okay. I don't know. I don't know all the details with that, but there okay. was a band in LA called the Fontaines, apparently. So that that's the only reason uh, that, that I know of that they added DC to the end of it, but. The uh, tra- damnation of the deer, like the the power behind that message, is um, there was in Ireland uh, an animal known as the Irish elk, and it was like one of the most powerful deers to walk around, and it went it, it went um, it went extinct over four thousand years ago, and apparently one of the reasons they went extinct is their antlers became like too big that they couldn't support themselves, so they started like oh, dying off, and I don't know. I just like, I just thought that was like such an interesting message to see. And it's cool. Cause like this band, mo- all of them, except their guitar player moved to London to record this record. And they did what's called, do you, do you, do you guys know what live to tape means? No, like one tape, like so, one take kind of thing. Well, the second you hear the second I explain it, you're going to be like, Oh, this actually is pretty straightforward. So recorded live to tape means that the whole band, goes into the room at the same time and they all record the tracks in one go. Oh, okay. Which oh, this is like old school. Yeah. Which used to happen a lot. And it just, it, or it doesn't anymore. The chariot. Or what? Or the chariot. The chariot. I think their first album or Norma Jean, their first album was, was like that. Yeah. I think the chariot, I think long live did that, which is a great record by the way. But these guys, they did it in two weeks. Um, there was a lot of layers to this album. There are like, there's like accordions and every type of sound you can think of. And it was just a lot. It was a lot to process. Cause like, I wasn't sure what the sound of this record was going to be. The previous ones are very like post-punk, like think like joy division, um, a little bit of the cure. They've got like some elements from the clash, but 
they kind of have like this like hypnotic sound to everything and this record i felt like they were just like we're not going to hold our accents back we're just going to like have everything as like thick and as powerful as it can be like there's times where i had to like look up the lyrics because i couldn't understand what the singer was saying uh and like i just saw them live it was like the coolest show i've ever been to kate just saw them live too so like that was another thing i wanted to throw in is like we both saw Fontaine CC, but I saw them in LA and she saw them in Brooklyn, right? Yes. Was it Brooklyn or was it? Yeah, Manhattan? it was in Brooklyn. Oh, cool. It was like kind of near Williamsburg. Um, and yeah, they're on their US tour right now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And they and it's, sold out their Brooklyn show, so they added a second one. That's what happened in LA too. Two shows. Oh. And I saw, I didn't realize I saw the second show because I was in line for merch and this like 60 year old guy was like, He's like, yeah, did you go last night? And he had like the set list and he apparently found out about him uh, like randomly recently. And it was cool because I just like I felt like I got to meet a lot of Irish people that like now live in L.A. Like this guy said he lived in Dublin in the 90s and was just like telling me how much like the country has changed. Hmm. Do you feel like you saw a lot of Irish people at your show? No, no? <laughs> I think mine was like, <laughs> I, well, OK, you know what? When I was walking to the venue, actually. Um, you know, when you're like, you're walking somewhere and you're mm-hmm. like in a hurry or whatever, there's people in front of you, you're trying to like weasel, weasel through the, through the streets. Um, there wasn't many people. It was like late, it was dark. Um, but there was this group of like four guys walking in front of me. And it was that thing where it's like, we were walking like the same pace. So I can't mm. totally pass them, but I'm like right on their heels where it's like that awkward, like if you were to turn around right now, I'd smack <laughs> right into you, but I couldn't get past them because they're too fast. But they had they were definitely at least something uk accent um i couldn't be like oh yeah they're totally irish because it was like i can't really tell but they were definitely not american yeah but other than them when i got to my show which was like i think three times the size of the venue alex was at it seemed like it was just all a bunch of like american brooklyn hipsters and cool people oh there were plenty of cool people hipsters here too but mixed in the crowd with very old irish men and, and I like, also that's awesome. I cool. agree with you on the fact that you cannot make out the word they're saying sometimes. Like the Irish accent of the lead singer is so thick. When he's singing, he sounds like he's just yelling and being like, ah, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what are you saying? <laughs> but it sounds so good. So you're just like, oh my gosh, like, let's hear it all. And like, it's crazy. Like, I, because I couldn't, they have this song called I Love You. And like, uh, the song, oh, yeah. like, slowly just. I love just, you. I yeah. love you. I love you. He literally does that. <laughs> He's like, oh, I love you. I love you. And it like builds up. And then like the second it like uh, the second the music builds up, he starts. Um, he just starts talking really, really, he, like, really scream fast. Sings. He's like yeah, screams and, talking. And it's cool. But I had to like I thought it was like a love song about um, like some girl he liked or something. So I finally looked up the lyrics and it was like, oh, uh, I love you discusses like the um, the fall, the falling of irish politics since they've gotten new people in office in 2020 and then it talks about the housing crisis and apparently there's a high suicide rate among amongst the youth in ireland so this is him like singing like think from like the reflection of uh like that he like loves the culture of ireland and like wants to like care for people which is cool but like because i couldn't understand that i had had to read these lyrics the cut, the, that that that's a deep cut. That's a very deep cut for a song. I would never think that's where it was gonna go when you're describing it. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And like the only part you can really actually make out is when he's just saying, "I love you, I love you." I, the rest of the song, any other lyric, you're like, he's like 
saying it so fast his accent is so maybe thin, you cannot make a word out maybe that's intentional for that kind of song maybe that's how he tries to highlight mm-hmm. the because you know like alex said he's curious like what what's being said and now you're made aware of like some of these changes that have happened in ireland maybe, maybe that's part of the intention for yeah. those who aren't who aren't irish i should say excuse me um because i'm sure people who are irish they're like yeah you don't you don't know what he's saying i mean it's pretty pretty plain and simple, you know. No, and I love it. And like, if you listen to some of their older records, like he he can like hold back his accent, like when he wants to. So like, yeah, I definitely feel like it was intentional. And yeah. live, he mixed all the songs differently. Like a lot of the songs were sped up. He was like taking the mic and he was like stomping it on the stage, and then like battling between like the guitar player and the drummer. And he was like chucking like tambourines at the walls and stuff. And it was <laughs> it was crazy. It was like one of the coolest shows I've seen. Um, and like I just, I'm just like so excited to see this band starting to like take off. Like they had a number one uh, UK album chart and the Irish album chart, and they had just said that like they wanted to like, you know, like even living in London now, they're like we want to, we still want to like showcase like our roots and like you know like we want to show like issues that we've seen and like know of that are still happening in Ireland, um, and that was even like a that was like an interesting context I had with like talking to the the guy that used to live in Dublin when I was at the show, he was like, cause I was telling him how I went to Dublin a couple of years ago and I was like, this is like the mm. best experience I've had. And he's like, yeah, you were a tourist. He's like, they're going to love you. But he's like, Irish people, <laughs> they fight with each other all the time. He's like, that's what you're missing out on. So that's, amazing. So that's what's cool. Like listening to a band in another country, you get to kind of dive in and um, hear a little bit about their culture from a perspective that you might not just you know, find it no. your own. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend this record. Like, so, so fun. You have to see them live if you get the chance. Uh, one other like cool fact I wanted to throw into is their previous record. One thing I think that helped them kind of like blow up is I can't remember the actress name. So like someone's going to have to help me here. Who was the, oh, who the, was the guy in Game of the Thrones? the guy who played Littlefinger in yeah. Game of Thrones. Peter, Peter Baelish. Peter but Baelish? That's not his, no, that's no, the no, character's no. name. Dingle. Littlefinger, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it, it, I know who you're either way, about. if we can't remember his name, either. yeah, he played Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. He was a his huge name is role. Aiden Gillian. Aiden Gillian. Yes. Doesn't sound Irish at all. Yeah, not Irish at all. He he lives in Ireland. He found out about this band. Like I don't know how. I think he just found it on his own. And he like contacted the guys, and it was just like, "Hey, I want to be in, in your music video." So they like made a music video with him, and I don't even, I don't, I don't even know if he paid it, like if he charged them, and I think that's so cool. That's awesome. That's yeah, it was cool. like twenty twenty. Yeah. It's like right after, um, you know, Game of Thrones was out. So like, I feel like he was kind of in his prime of like being on the news, and now he's like, I'm just gonna huh. hang out with these cool Irish guys. That's, that's awesome. I love yeah. that dude. That's, that's yeah, awesome. Fontaine's DC, um, Skinny Fia, like debuted on uh, Partisan Records, which is like a really cool kind of indie label check it out play every song like in one go if you can that's the best way to listen to it and then pull up pull up genius so you get a real good reference of what's being said. yeah pull up genius so you can understand the lyrics <laughs> uh yeah that's that's awesome i uh, guys yeah. i watched a movie uh, as i said earlier i watched a lot of movies i i wrestled i watched a lot of movies i watch everything uh, wait what's that movie called everything Everywhere, everywhere all, at once. All, all at once. Yeah, uh, I watched. Um, you watched Firestarter. it. Yeah, I did. I watched. I watched a bunch of movies. You know what I'm going to talk about today? Sonic the Hedgehog two. 
Let's go. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So uh, if you guys remember, the first Sonic movie had a lot, had a very rough start. Um, you know, they, 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 the studio presented in a trailer the ugliest looking thing I think we've ever seen in our lives. And it was just nightmare fuel. They went back to the <laughs> shop. They paid a studio a lot of money to kind of fix the the Sonic image, which sad story that studio is actually out of business now. So oh, no. what a shame, right? Uh, these people single-handedly saved uh, an entire franchise only to then be thrown to the wolves. But, yeah. um, you know, the first movie came out I think a lot of people were ready to just, you know, absolutely dunk on the movie. But surprisingly, it wasn't bad. You know, I, I, they, they made the choice of making Sonic a kid. And I think that's probably the most like likable part of the movie that he's just a kid and he's lonely because he's not he's not in his home planet. He has no friends. And I, I love like that dynamic of the first movie. So obviously, right, with sequels, we always say it's always very hard to make a sequel because you have to do what made you successful, but do it differently. And so this movie, they take a different approach and I, and I really liked it. I really thought it worked where the perspective is like, okay, Sonic now has these like fake parents and they love him and they, he has a home and everything, but he still doesn't have like friends. Right. And I think that's like such a relatable thing because, you know, especially like as a, if you're a single child, like it's, you can't really be friends with your parents. Like that's, that's hard, right? So, like, you know, the the whole movie is about Sonic meeting Tails and Knuckles. Uh, Tails, I love is Knuckles, played... my favorite. Yeah, well, okay, so yeah, it, and that they were probably I cannot remember who played Tails, and that's really gonna drive me nuts. Um, uh, but Tails was introduced into the Sonic franchise, and Knuckles, played by Idris Elba. Um, was in- also introduced into the movie, and you know the theme of the movie. It's it's very simple. Doctor Robotnik, which Jim Carrey, by the way, is born to play Doctor Robotnik. Um, oh, yeah. I love that in this movie. Basically, at the end of the first movie, uh, Jim Carrey's Doctor Robotnik (spoiler alert) gets thrown into another dimension. The dimension he gets sent to, by the way, is a Nintendo reference. He gets sent to the Mushroom Kingdom or an area nice. of the Mushroom Kingdom. And so, like, but I like the joke that, like, because he's eaten mushrooms for, like, months that he's, he's gone crazy. It's really oh, funny. No. And so he comes back, like, insane. And the basically the whole part of the movie is that they're trying to get some emerald that gives power, whatever. And uh, Dr. Robotnik is lying to Knuckles to try to pit Knuckles against Sonic. Um, and Sonic is trying to be his friend. And so th- that's really what the movie's about. It's about friendship. It's about Sonic uh, gaining the trust of not just one, but two friends. And um, I think Aegis Elba knocks it out of the park as Knuckles. Uh, he almost plays it kind of like Dave Bautista plays um, uh, Drex yes. uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy. He just plays as, like, he acts as Dave Bautista. Well, Knuckles. So I, this, like, well I, I never knew this, you know, like, like growing up. Here. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I never, I never knew this. I never knew like all the Sonic friends had like different like characteristics. Like I didn't know Tails was like the smart one and Knuckles was the strong but dumb one. So that was also fun learning in this movie because like Knuckles isn't very smart. Mm-hmm. And so like he's but he's really strong and like and and, and Tails is is not sure of himself, but they're all kids. And I and I it's always funny, first of all, funny to hear Aegis Elba talk, but also he's a kid. That's just a weird thing, but it's also kind of funny. 
Um, and like I said, Jim Carrey does a great job. I think they also did a really good thing of making this movie about Sonic himself. Uh, the first movie kind of really leaned into James uh, James Marston uh, from Smallville. If you guys anyone remember Smallville, yes, um, he used, he played the OG Superman from Smallville. Um, so and he's in yeah, that Disney movie. The he's one in yes, um, ever after. Yes, thank you. Uh, I yes, forgot about that movie. movie. Yeah, he and you know they they he did fine in the first movie. His character is here, but they kind of really focus on Sonic, and I think that worked in my opinion. Because remember, guys, this is a kids movie, so it's for kids. Um, there are some goofy scenes that I'm just like, okay, this is clearly made for kids, but I think that's fine. I think it's you know everything doesn't have to be made for. A thirty-year-old, right, or forty-year-old, yeah, fifty-year-old, yeah. like, like. So I thought that was fine. I, I think if you have kids or you enjoy watching kid movies, I think this actually did a really good job um, because I, I really bought that Sonic is making friends with Tails. That was really fun too. Uh, Tails is like this very timid, very. Um, if for anyone who watches One Piece, kind of like a Usopp character, where they're like they're always afraid, but because their friends are in danger that they're going to like suck it up and like do like, you know, do the brave thing because mm-hmm. they care more about their friends. Like, I love that kind of stuff. That's awesome. That's a really cool thing for kids to learn as well. Um, yeah, for sure. and, and I think, I think like the sweetest scene is when, um, when, you know, they, they're running away from knuckles, uh, Sonic and tails and uh, they get all wet and they're sitting next to a fire and uh, Sonic gives knuckle, uh, 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 excuse me, Sonic gives tails, a blanket and then he falls asleep next to tails and then tail uses his tail to cover sonic i was just like oh my heart i was like i was like i was like that is really sweet that is really sweet and i also love how they it ends and this was part of the part of the movie that i was like you know what what we're gonna go i'm not gonna give i'm not gonna give the ending but there is a there is a reference to a very sad scene from the first movie that they make into a very happy scene in in this movie and so like when you watch it from that perspective, watching the first movie and the second movie, you're like, damn, they did a really good job. Like, A, building a a, a narrative across two movies that didn't do that stupid thing where they're like, oh, but wait till the next one, that kind of thing. Like, you can watch each movie and it feels like a contained movie. But the backstory behind, like, the characters, I'm just like, oh, I didn't know that. That's actually kind of interesting. It wasn't delivered in a ham-fisty way. It was actually, some of it was set up from the first movie. What a so, funny word, ham-fisty. Yeah, yeah ham-fisted. Uh, <laughs> overall, I think it was solid. Like, it's not the greatest movie you've ever watched, obviously. It's a it's a movie about a, a hedgehog and a squirrel and a, a echidna, which I don't know what an echidna is, uh, but that word's used a lot in this Wait, movie. Wait, what? Uh, Knuckles is that is a real a, thing? Knuckles is, a, is, is, is an echidna. I don't know what that is. I've never heard that word in my life. I've never heard that. I think it's a real animal because um, they're it all is. based on real animals. Okay. I it's don't a, know what that is. It's, um, it looks like a hedgehog. I, yeah. It's also yeah. called the spiny anteater. And it's uh, Australian. See, I, I'm I'm learning I'm learning a lot about it uh, it's because E C H. So like I was typing with an A at first. Oh, and it's yeah, like a it, platypus in that it is a mammal yet it uh, lays eggs. This thing's wild. <laughs> that's so weird. So uh-huh. like they, you know, that's where Knuckles comes from. He comes from a people of Echidna warriors. It's wild, but it, it's also Wait, presented at a. You have to guess that? how old they are, real quick. How how long do you think these things last? I mean, if I had to guess, I would probably say because they live in like the desert. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, I would probably say like maybe like 80 to 100 years. In one lifespan for an animal? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was like, not like that long, but it says 15 like to 40 turtle. years, which I thought was pretty impressive. That's but... still a yeah, lot. That's, that's still that's a lot. A lot um, yeah. Because yeah. so, I'm like, you know, usually desert animals, for whatever reason, live longer. I don't know. Um, suffice to say, I think most people would enjoy the Sonic movie. Even if you didn't watch the first one, you really don't have to watch the first one to like this one or to get it. It's only an hour 30, which as you guys know, anything over two hours, it immediately no, immediately. No, you gotta, you gotta be Godfather esque like writing for me to buy into your two hour movie. I'm so sick and tired of watching two hour movies. Um, In comparison, Firestarter was also 90 minutes and I felt every minute of that movie. Holy cow, it was slow. So like night two hour movies, they're a no-go for me, but this was a, a under two hours, so that's like the sweet spot for movies for me. So okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I say I think you everyone should give it a shot. Um I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as long as you remember it's made for kids. All you weirdos who complain about I don't know where Sonic gets his powers from. Um at some point something happens to something happens to Sonic that I'm like, I think this is for people who are like too deep into Sonic lore. I'm like, I don't really know what's happening, but <laughs> I I think this is cool if you love Sonic. So Sound, for those type it, of people, it sounds cool to me. I love Sonic, so yeah. I mean, sold. if you, I never played the games as a kid, so I, 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 I so you may you may enjoy it more because I I feel like there are, I, like I said, I think they do a good job of like referencing things mm-hmm. that I watch the TV clearly, show. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, I do know for a fact that they did use a line from the TV show in this movie when he says, I got to go fast. I know that's from the TV show. And he says that in the movie. So, I'm like, again, I'm like, there's all these, like, Easter eggs that I'm like, if you love Sonic, I think you're going to really like this movie because there's a lot of these things where I'm like, I don't know what this crystal thing does, but it seems cool and it seems important. It looks cool. So, (laughs) so, yeah. yeah. I will say that. I heard a lot of good things about this. Yeah. Well, my only complaint is that it has... Death Beam of Doom. Yeah. Purple laser in the purple, sky. The laser in the sky. I'm like, ah, yes. so close. Yes. So close. Uh, overall, I like the movie. I think you guys should watch it. And um, whoever it, I think it's Paramount that is the studio for Sonic. Uh, you've done a good job with this. Um, wow. Because video Deal game movies. Well, video game video game movies have never, they don't have a good track record. So That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. You know, we'll see. Okay, I'll. I'm definitely gonna check this out. I've heard good things, like surprisingly good things. You got me, AJ. I'll check it out. Check it out, Yeah. Well, for it. I've uh, heard good things too. From uh, there's a podcaster I listen to. She's a comedian, Nicole Byer, and she was saying this. Oh, I love her. She's she's amazing. And she said this is like one of her favorite (laughs) movies ever. And she was like, I know it's for kids. She's like, but I loved it. And she's like, it's all about friendship. And she said it made her cry. And that's exactly how I felt when I watched this movie. I was like, yo, them making Sonic a kid was a choice decision because it, it, it helps frame all the things he does. And it's like, oh, he's a kid. He doesn't know any better. And I think that works. I think it works a lot. So. Kudos, kudos to Paramount. I think I think it's Paramount. It's it is. Paramount. It's Paramount. It is. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to them. They did a good job, guys. They did a good job. Kudos to Paramount. Kudos to Sonic. Um, kudos to everyone on the podcast today. I think that's it, right? We're good. We're good to is go. That, Let's is close that, this. Is that all the kudos you got? Yeah, that's all the kudos. Let's close this. We're all out. Close this up. Uh, thanks for listening. Like you know, keep subscribing, checking us out on every social you can. We uh, 
love hearing feedback. So comment whenever you want. We're uh, starting to post a little more on TikTok now. So you might see us present on other socials outside of just Instagram and Twitter. And uh, don't forget that Jacob Free, who was in our um, one of our recent recordings, he uh, we're giving away one of his comics soon and it ends 531. So you better jump in on that. That's it for today. I was about to say that's all, folks, but I don't want to get sued. So we're going to censor that out. (laughs) Yeah, that's all, folks. The Bandwagon Fan Podcast is hosted by Josh Jimenez, Alex Mogosa, and me, AJ Soy. Our show is produced by Kate Smith and edited by your boy, AJ. Our social media is managed by Natalia Kokulia, and our theme song, Lush Waves, is provided to us by Taylor Lewin of Underscore Audio. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.